Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Noel. Our compatriot Matt is away but will return soon. They call me Ben. We are joined as always with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deckett. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. This episode will be of particular interest to our fellow conspiracy realists out west in Nevada or Nevada. It's pronounced a couple of different ways. Noel, uh, you're a Nevada, you're a Nevada guy, right? You know, I don't have occasion to say it super often, I guess. But now that I'm thinking about it, I, th- I am. Yeah, Nevada. Mm, yeah, is it, Nevada? Nevada feels like a Midwestern thing for some reason to me. The first person I met from Nevada was adamant that it was pronounced Nevada. So we're just going to get that out of the way. That's okay. not okay. <laughs> the subject of today's episode. No. no. Uh, this is something this is something different. It takes place in the great state of Nevada, but it raises a question that we've talked about off air uh, when the news hit earlier this year. And our our big question, well, we touch on several important things here. Um, 
regarding some of the state's plans. And we're asking whether this is a step into a bold new era of human governance uh, or if it's a step toward a bold new era of sci-fi dystopia or if it's, in fact, a return to conspiracies we have seen in the past. Uh, We're talking about something you may have heard of. They have a, a relatively innocuous name. They're called Innovation Zones. Mm-hmm. Those sound great. Well, what's wrong with that? Innovation sounds good. A zone, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to live there. That sounds cool. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, Discovery Zone. You know That's what exactly I mean? right. <laughs> Are there trampolines? That's what I want to know. If there's trampolines, I'm in. There may be. There may be. If you can count uh, a new type of trampoline as innovative technology, mm-hmm. we'll find out. Like the thing is, for a lot of people outside of Nevada. When you think of the state, you probably think of one city immediately, Las Vegas, Vegas, baby, city of sin. Uh, we've uh, we've all been there. You've been to Vegas, right? You no. know, I've not been to Vegas, Ben. Oh. I feel like I'm I'm missing out, or at least uh, I, I'm you know out of the loop in terms of the conversation. But I have seen Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and other Vegas centric movies, so I kind I kind of get what it's about. You know, casino, pretty much <laughs> like that, right? Yeah, yeah, you've, you've got it. It's a uh, Vegas is an incredibly fascinating town on a number of levels because it's one of those cities that only exists at the size it does due to human ingenuity. Mm-hmm. You know, if we didn't have the Hoover Dam, we didn't have the all the infrastructure that people have created, then a city of Vegas's size, located where it is located, would simply not be possible. And it's also, it's unique. Nevada itself is is unique in a, in a number of different ways. You know, parts of the state have uh, legalized sex work, right? That's a big business. Mm-hmm. Uh, gambling laws, of course, are different in Vegas. Uh, and one thing that um, we can assure you, and anyone who's been to Vegas can assure you, is the city never really sleeps downtown. Those casinos are always running. You want to find a blackjack game? It doesn't matter if it's four in the morning. There's somebody there. There's somebody there. Yeah, and it's really, it's, that's, I think this is a really good parallel uh, for, the, for what we're talking about today, the idea of creating an entire city around a particular industry and even like, you know, gaming, for example, and like the gaming commission and all of that. It's so important, you know, like for a new casino, you know, this again, this is everything I know, know here. I've learned from like the movie casino and stuff, uh, but, and, and, and things like it, but it's really important to be able to get that license, you know, to get that gaming license so that you can start your casino. And um, it's like you said, Ben, the city would not exist if it were not for, you know, man-made, infrastructure and also this very singular industry. So what we're talking about today, and this is like, you know, been historically the bread and butter of the entire state of Nevada. Um, Nevada? Now I'm flipping it too. I'm confused. Um, but what are we, we're talking about today is something new. It's not new in concept, but it's something new for Nevada. And it's something, like you said, Ben, called innovation zones. Yeah. To get our minds around this concept, first we need to talk about some background because like Nevada, the U.S. is itself somewhat unique, especially during the time of its formation. It did some things that other countries at the time were not doing. Here are the facts. So back in the 1770s when the United States were formed, 
um, the founders instituted this concept that uh, is remains very important today with varying degrees of actual enforcement, uh, I would argue. Um, the idea of separation of church and state, meaning that the U.S., unlike many other countries, would not have an official state religion and not be able to, like, you know, force any kind of religious views or practices on individuals specifically in government, um, in, you know, state-sponsored institutions. There would, there would be no allowance for mandatory kind of enforcement of any kind of religious faith, any kind of faith-based anything. Though we know in practice... <laughs> isn't always the case, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of like school prayer and even some religious language and things like the Pledge of Allegiance, you know, and this has always been a bit of a gray area. But uh, the tax part of it is probably the most interesting and important, right, Ben? Yeah, that is one of the most interesting parts of the separation, because if you are a religious institution in the US then you're not you're not paying taxes and that's why so many organizations fight so ardently to be recognized as a religious institution shout out scientology but a lot of been has been made of the so-called religious foundation of the US and in many ways that's a myth Like, I love that you mentioned the Pledge of Allegiance, the idea of the phrase under God being in the Pledge of Allegiance. Uh, This wasn't part of the pledge until relatively recently, until June of 1954. They went back and added the phrase under God in there. And then you can also see that the founders and the leaders of the early U.S. were pretty adamant about the secular position of the country as a concept. This was kind of seen as heretical by a lot of other places, but it's a cool idea. It means that in theory, if you live in the U.S., you can practice whatever religion you please. You can make a religion up or discover it, however you want to say, and then sure. you, yeah, and you can practice that as long as your religious practices don't result in harming others or breaking laws, then you should be all gravy. And of course, You know, that wasn't the same in practice. There was a lot of prejudice against people uh, of the Catholic faith, for instance, or against people practicing Judaism. And that anti-Semitism continues today. But like the, the big thing is they essentially said, look, unless you have a religion that requires you to like murder someone once a month or burn down someone's house twice a year, uh, you'll be fine. But we will prosecute you for murder or arson, so step like Sure. And that re- honestly, you're not being hyperbolic there because it, it honestly does take something that extreme for any kind of intervention to come down. Uh, I mean, it, it depends, varying degrees of that. But, like, for example, not to get too into it, but, like, you know, the Church of Scientology has pretty much – been proved to have injured people psychologically uh, and possibly, you know, physically in terms of what happened to uh, David Miscavige's wife. You know, we we don't know, but it doesn't seem good. Uh, And yet they have maintained that uh, tax exempt status, which is allows them to like buy up all this real estate and have this like absolute stronghold in, you know, California and that part of the country. Mm -hmm. And and there's another interesting turn here, because nowadays when you hear people talk about the separation of church and state, you'll hear people uh, phrasing this as a way of protecting the government from undue uh, influence that would turn it into a theocracy. But back in the day, 
the rationalization was flipped. Roger Williams, the guy who founded Rhode Island, argued that you needed to have a separation between state and religion because if you didn't, the government would get involved in the church and corrupt it and make it worldly. And so it's Mm. it's an interesting flip. Uh, But I think we can all agree in the modern day, this is a very good distinction to have. It benefits more people than it hurts. But there was another question hanging in the air, and it was one that was not addressed in nearly as clear-cut a manner How do we handle the relationship between business and the state? Should there be a separation between business and state the same way there's a separation between church and state? And if so, what form would it take? It's a sticky question. It doesn't always have a clear answer. No, it doesn't. And it's one of these things where it all comes down to like, how bad do you want to attract industry, you know, as a state. Like here in Georgia, we had some pretty controversial, you know, very lucrative tax credits for the film industry that ultimately resulted in Georgia becoming like, you know, location number one for film because, you know, obviously like Atlanta and different parts of the of the state, you know, you've got a really wide variety of like shooting location types and all that. So it made sense already, but you know, the tax credits that we laid out were massive. So you could argue like we're taking a bath on that uh, in terms of like lost tax revenue, but it's an exchange between losing out there and gaining jobs and, you know, uh, pumping that industry's money into the economy. Um, So you can make an argument in both directions. But again, this is one example of American governments trying different approaches to this relationship, trying to minimize corruption on the part of, you know, CEOs and politicians, but at the same time trying to maintain a relationship with industry, Uh, a cozy relationship, but also one with like boundaries, right? Yeah. I mean, think about it. It's it's strange. The government depends on partnerships with private businesses for so many things, for countless things. And it's a relationship that has accelerated uh, as time goes on. Like if you think about it now, the practice of subcontracting projects to various corporations occurs at virtually every level of government in tons of different ways. Most famous, infamous example is the world of the military. Private military contractors vie for contracts to build new hardware, to conduct research, to supply infrastructure, and even soldiers, right? Shout out academia and so on. If you name the task, there's probably some sort of private company involved somewhere in the supply chain. And it's so normalized and the practice is so common that it can be difficult for a lot of people to imagine any other sort of situation. What does a separation of business and state mean? Does it mean the government should interfere less in the day-to-day activities of businesses of any size? If interaction continues, like there are things that are very important to the government, taxing businesses, and there are things that are very important to the people, like environmental regulations, when do they stop? And what about lobbying? Lobbying is weird. Lobbying is a legalized system of bribery, basically. Is that a hot take? I feel like that's accurate. I think it's completely accurate. I think we've both shared that opinion in the past on the show. Lobbying is absolutely that. It's essentially like a direct line to lawmakers uh, where you essentially give them incentives, whether it's 
you know, an industry that you represent uh, that will donate to their campaigns or what have you, or a constituency, you know, that represents of the workers, perhaps of the industry that you represent that will keep this person in power. Uh, and it allows you to shape policy to that benefits you. Yeah, I think that's accurate, Ben. It's it's definitely legalized bribery. <laughs> and if we're being extreme about it, we could even say that lobbying itself is a conspiracy taking place on a daily basis in Washington, D.C. and other state capitals. So what if there was some alternative model? That's what we're talking about today. For years on this show, I've kind of sketched out this somewhat dystopian model of human evolution. But I, I always saw it like this. If you look at how people interact in groups and what the primary model of a group interaction is, humans started way back in the day with the family. And then that grew into the tribe, the larger family and community. And that grew into the religion, which would unite people regardless of whether or not they were biologically related. And then that grew into the state, which united people uh, regardless of whether or not they shared the same religion or family. And what's next? For many people, it appears to be the corporation. And folks have been concerned about this for a long, long time, that the nation state would enter decay as a concept. More people would find themselves governed by private industry. And for a lot of folks, understandably, this felt like science fiction. You don't have to look far in science fiction to see a world where the corporation fulfills the function of the state, like uh, the Alien franchise, Blade Runner. Mm hmm. The RPG game Shadowrun, I mean, it's a corporation as government is an idea a lot of people have been thinking about. And it's not as crazy as it might sound. In fact, it may be closer than we think when we get to the rise of something that is called uh, the innovation zone. What are we talking about? Is this the next step toward a world of science fiction? We'll tell you after a word from our sponsor. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward, inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's where it gets crazy. So the Nevada Independent broke this story in February, but it's based on statements made by Nevada Governor Steve Sizelak uh, in his January State of the State address, which is a hilarious name, but then also in some later press conferences. And Noel, I think we, we both watched some of these, right? Yeah, there was one that I saw. Uh, you may have seen the same one. It was about 45 minutes long, and it was uh, broadcast by the, the Independent on YouTube. It was a live stream of a Zoom, um, and, you know, it was kind of dry uh, at times, but it was Sizzlack and a few experts kind of from his cabinet talking about what this innovation zone situation is and what it would mean for Nevada. And um, he, in, in that original public address, he kind of dropped that term and didn't really go into much detail. And then some of these press conferences that we're talking about, the detail stuff does come out. We're going to get to that. But um, he kind of initially gave this overview of like, here are some of these things that we're considering. Uh, this move could potentially create 200,000 new jobs. It's a really great thing uh, for Nevadans, Nevadans. Um, but the proposal itself held a little something more, I don't know, I think you and I might argue sinister um, and, and a little less blue sky, kind of rosy outlook. One uh, particular proposal by a company called Blockchains LLC, but you can figure out what they do, um, was being passed around in the state legislature. It talks about uh, the innovation zone being this, a place where a private company becomes the local government. Yeah, they, they don't say it that in such a nutshell. That encapsulated phrase is, is a little bit of me editorializing, but that is what it is. And that's not a hot take. This also, as you said, came out not as an official announcement, but as a leak. At the very same time, Sizzlack's administration was talking about how great this would be for the financial and economic future of Nevada. The Nevada Independent said, this is, quote, a plan to create a semi-autonomous county that slowly assumes powers of the county it's based in. And then furthermore, in blockchain's case, it would be supported by its own currency, a cryptocurrency they're calling Stablecoin, which I feel like is optimistic. And shout out to everybody. We're recording this on April 16th. Shout out to everybody who had a little Dogecoin. I hear it reached a dollar. So <laughs> onward nice. and upward. This, uh, uh, yeah. No, I took a bath on some crypto yesterday. Ugh. 
Oh, no. So, now that insane. There's this like, there's this coin called XRP that was kind of like booming. And I got in and then I, I kind of didn't look at it for a day and then went back and looked at it and it had gone down like 25%. But thus, you know, that's, that's, that's how it goes. Vegas, um, baby. It is Vegas. It really is. And that's, that's, that's why it's ironic or not ironic at all that it's crypto that's kind of, you know, being positioned as like, this is going to be the hub of the blockchain technology. And in that uh, press conference that, that we watched, um, they make a case as to why uh, the technology itself is separate from uh, cryptocurrency in, in particular, specifically, which is true because blockchain technology can be used for all kinds of verifications. It can Ooh. be used for like chains of title, you know, contracts. and property. Con- it's all about contracts. It's all about these smart contracts. Uh, and that's kind of why people are betting on it being kind of like the wave of the future because so many things that we do in terms of chain of custody for whether it's like you know any kind of property um it's all based in like handwritten records and deeds and things that exist in like paper form you know in like courthouses and in filing cabinets um so it's very imprecise and there is a lot of opportunity in this technology to to do things like that outside of the whole crypto thing um but again it obviously mainly now is associated with crypto which very much is its own kind of Vegas baby. Um, But the thing that's so interesting about this blockchain proposal is they want to create a smart city that's powered by this blockchain technology. What that actually means is, is not perfectly clear yet, but they would apparently purchase 67,000 acres of private land. They made that very clear in the press conference. This is all private land. So it's not like they're going to be able to swoop in an imminent domain, you know, your, your house yet. But the 67,000 acres of undeveloped desert land east of Reno, Nevada at the Tahoe Reno Industrial Center. And they've been kicking around this plan for years. Um, Jeffrey Burns, who's the founder of blockchains, announced the plan to build a blockchain-oriented city back in 2018, Ages ago. Uh, and, and this was at a conference, you know, one of those super rich people influencer, you know, p- conferences in Prague. So they have things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, yeah. So this this shows us a, a pattern. This plan was kind of announced by Sizzlack to the public uh, way after it was already in the works. What's interesting about his statements there in Prague back in 2018, as he said, he's not a developer. But he went on to sell this idea in a high-level way. Blockchain is arguing that the the current rules dictate how existing municipal governments can work are too inflexible for the kind of revolutionary project they want to create here. And yes, uh, I can't be the only one who clocked the provocative use of the word revolutionary. Mm-hmm. So, so it goes like it's been portrayed by Nevada's administration as similar to your example of Atlanta, right? Like a tax incentive that will ultimately result in a trade-off where the state gains more than it loses. But this goes so much further. The If this goes through, if blockchains and other tech companies have their innovation zones in Nevada, then they will take over the functions of your local government. They will be collecting the taxes. 
They will be running schools for kindergartners through high school. They'll be in charge of infrastructure, maintenance services, and more. And this is where we have to pause for a check-in. This should be interesting to sci-fi fans, policy wonks alike. How would you feel if you knew you, like you still had to pay federal taxes, right? Because you live in the U.S. and you're not a billionaire. You still had to pay state taxes because you live in the U.S. and you're not a billionaire. But those taxes go through this private company, this private company that, by the way, probably employs you. Would you be comfortable with that? Would you feel like it's more streamlined? Would it feel like too much control? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, you could argue that it does streamline things and that if they're the primary, you know, mover or the the same way, like the gaming commission, obviously that's a government entity, but it's also like holds the keys to the kingdom. You know what I mean? In so many ways uh, for gaming in Nevada. So therefore the keys to like the state, I mean, I'm sure there's like manufacturing and other industry in Nevada, but clearly gaming is a massive source of revenue for the state. And this, they're, they're hoping that this will, they even mentioned that like uh, the governor in that press conference saying how they wanted to pivot away from just being a gaming state and uh, having this other thing being this like new central kind of incubator or something like that. Or like, in in other words, like attracting um, jobs and talent and, you know, just like something that's on the cutting edge that's going to put Nevada on the map outside of just being, you know, Sin City. Yeah, well, that's that's another question, too. Like, uh, let's say you have a family in one of these zones uh, and your do you think your kid would still receive a decent, unbiased education if it, that education was administered by a private company? Like, what if your kid does a science project in 10th grade on the environmental dangers of Bitcoin mining or, or uh, cryptocurrency processing. It, but, you know, that's a maybe that feels a little alarmist or sensationalized, but it, it's kind of it's a possibility that's in the cards. Uh, we can tell you a little bit more about the specifics of the Innovation Zone proposals, according to these leaks. First, it's kind of expensive to get started. Your average mom and pop falafel stand is not going to be able to start an innovation zone in Nevada. The land can only be created by a private developer who owns more than 50,000 acres of land. That's why Sislak was being so emphatic when he was saying this is private land that they bought because he wanted to make it clear it's not the government giving this land away. Uh, they're they're buying this land already, so they made a private landowner a ton of money at the at like from day one, square zero, uh, day zero, square one. Eh, you guys get it. <laughs> so, secondly, this company that wants to become your new government has to promise to invest up to one billion dollars in their zone over time. That's also a ton of money. That's way more money than is in the banana stand or the falafel stand. And then they have to agree to a specific tax on whatever innovative technology the zone specializes in. So this is something I think they talked a lot about in the press conference you were mentioning, Noel, like the tax incentives, but also for blockchains, LLC, they would need to somehow have a tax program on the technology that they're concentrating on in their new government, which would be blockchain. 
And they've got a very long-term plan here with a uh, some ambitious goals, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, they do. Um, they plan to break ground in 2020 uh, and over a 75-year period develop what they're calling Painted Rock Smart City that would conceptually be home to 36,000 permanent residents. And eventually they plan to employ one out of every 50 uh, residents of the state of Nevada, um, which, yeah, which would account for almost 2% of wages produced in the entire state. Which doesn't sound like a lot until you realize it's the entire state. It's 2% of a very, very big number. And no, I know what we're thinking. Some of our fellow conspiracy realists in the crowd today, maybe the some of the more ambitious of us. I don't know what the problem is, guys. This sounds fantastic. Can I start an innovation zone? We'll talk a little bit more af- about that after the break. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
And we're back. So for some of the some of those of us in the crowd today who consider themselves maybe a little more proactive, more go getterish, uh, you may have already started thinking just like uh, Bender in Futurama. Yeah, I'll start my own government with blackjack and other vices, etc. Which is funny because Vegas already has those. And your question is, how do I get started? Well, first, you have to find the land. You have to have control of 50,000 contiguous acres of undeveloped property. And it has to be located in a single county. There can't be any permanent residents there at the time. And it can't be part of any pre-existing city, town, or what they call governmental division established by law. So you can't take over an existing town. You have to build it from scratch. You have to submit an application, of course, because it's, you know, government bureaucracy. Next, you're going to need to include nine different things on your application to the governor's office of economic development. And that's stuff like a plan for a future development, uh, an estimate for construction and future employment documents that prove that you have sufficient funds to invest um, 250 million just to start and a billion over 10 years. Um, an economic impact statement certification that a qualified developer has uh, gotten and, and held um, or, or can obtain uh, access to public utilities and natural resources that are needed to complete the project. And then you also have to kind of specialize. Each zone has to be tied, like we've been saying kind of from the start, to a very specific industry or more specifically, innovative technology and be able to levy that uh, or be able to levy an industry specific tax that we also mentioned earlier. Things like robotics, AI, biometrics, you know, biomedical technology, clean energy, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, autonomous vehicles would be another one. All all of these things that you hear about in tech-specific TED Talks, honestly. So let's say you get all this done and you get approved. Boom, boom, boom. You also gain control over things that a county-level government or municipality would ordinarily control. As your new corporate county grows... Uh, You can just let the existing Nevada County know when you're ready. You don't have a hard timeline. You just let them know when you feel like taking on uh, the responsibilities of having a police force or firefighters, wastewater treatment, health care. Get this, a judicial system, an education. And eventually, uh, when the zone is ready, they will assume all of the authority of the existing county in which they reside. That means that at some point, the innovation zone itself is no longer subject to county ordinances. Uh, What about voting? Once there are 100 eligible permanent residents living in that zone, the zone can organize its own elections. And in the case of blockchain's proposed city specifically, because of the nature of their innovation, the it, it's paving the way to have its own currency. So, like, imagine, you know, imagine 120 years from now, you find yourself traveling to Nevada, you stop by Painted Rock, which is uh, going to be the name of their city, and you find that your, you know, your U.S. dollars or your Paul Pounds or whatever they'll end up being called at that time 
have to be converted because every store, every, every store, every shop, every place in the zone only accepts payment in stable coin. They haven't said that's going to happen. It's just a possibility. And to me, it is darkly hilarious. Uh, but that's the other question, too. You know, Noel, is this moving forward, right, to the future, whether for good or for ill, or is this simply returning to an idea we've tried in the past? It reminds me of a, a story that's um, maybe not too familiar to uh, some of our folks in the audience today. But years ago, when I was uh, hosting a wonderful little show called Car Stuff, we went on a road rally together. And one of the things that that road rally led us to was a night in a real life corporate run town or it was corporate run at one point. It was Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yes. Run by the Hershey Chocolate Company. Remember that place? They had the car museum? Of course, of course. It was wonderful. Great car museum. Really wonderful trip, the old uh, road rally. I actually found a koozie from that road rally uh, <laughs> the other day, and it brought back fond memories. It makes me think of things, though, like, I mean, again, the, the, this idea that I'm about to put forward is, is maybe a little of an extreme example, but it's like mining towns and, like, the company store and all that, right. you know, where you work for the same and are paid for the same people that sell you the things that you need to, to survive, which inherently has this kind of conflict of interest vibe, mm -hmm. which this does, too. Like, you know, it, it feels like they have a little too much control, uh, and the idea idea of, you know, they're collecting the taxes that are being taken out of your pay. It's weird, right? Like, it seems, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm being alarmist, but it just seems mm -hmm. like it's going right back into their coffers uh, in a way that's a little bit strange. So you see it more as a, a, a kind of like resurrection of the idea of the company town. That's what the 16 Tons song is about. And this Hershey was a company town. Um, there, there have been many of these throughout American history. You can visit them. You can visit them now as kind of uh, historical sites, right? But back in the day, it wasn't super uncommon for uh, the entirety of a town's population, working population, to be employed by the same company. And that same company also owned all the stores, all the places you could spend your money. They also, in a very real way, owned the money. You weren't paid in U.S. currency. You were paid in what was called scrip, right? So they were, they were economically locking the residents of a town in and exercising great control over their day-to-day -day activities, even if they were not on the clock. And from the perspective of Nevada's government, this is a powerful tax incentive. It's a way to prime the pump and help residents who, I mean, it's inarguable, help residents who desperately need new, reliable sources of long-term employment. But how far does this plan go? How much mission creep slips in here? Are future citizens of Nevada going to find themselves becoming citizens of a corporation more so than a state? Uh, there, there, are two, there are two other disturbing facts here. Let's save for the end. It doesn't help the image or the optics that the PR people would call it, uh, that blockchains, LLC, donated heavily to Governor Sisolak during the last campaign cycle. They gave the man 60 grand for his campaign. Uh, and critics will also tell you that Nevada 
politicians are kind of easy, easily influenced, or they have a lower price tag. And, and then, you know, Nevada already does have a lot of land deals with big corporations. The second one we have to get to is who, who makes the day-to-day decisions in this zone. Technically, it's not the CEO of blockchains, unless that CEO is one of the board members running the zone. There's a three-person board that has to run every single innovation zone that's created. Is the board elected? No, they're not elected. If you live in the zone, you have no control uh, over who lives, who dies, who tells your story, uh, who runs your <laughs> government. Uh, the the three people who ultimately make the decisions are appointed. They are not elected by you. So who are these people? And it's funny, too. I mean, like I said, on, on that, that press conference, the Zoom thing, the governor is just uh, evangelizing for these people. You know, and when you find out that the, you know, that 60K donation from this corporation to the governor and you see how just rosy a picture he's painting, given all of the I mean, again, I don't think we're being alarmist here. I think there are real potential pitfalls here, uh, as we know, when it, every, every time you the more power you give corporations or the more closer things come to a monopoly the less individuals benefit, it seems to me. It's more like, you know, the people at the very, very top benefit. And and sure, you know, Amazon's great. We can get, like, stuff in five seconds, you know, crap that we don't need. But at the end of the day, it is, like, almost monopoly. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to go too off the track here, but to me, Amazon started to feel like a company store kind of situation, too, when they get so big and they literally just start taking over swaths of, like, whole towns. It reminds me of, like, the Augusta National in Augusta, Georgia, for example, which is where I grew up. It's obviously this famous golf course. They, for years, were just trying to buy up every piece of property around that golf course, and there were a few loan holdouts but they've got time, and they ultimately got what they wanted. And now you, I can't even recognize my hometown anymore. It all feels like golf Disney World. Um, because but they, that, still, they still kept those sandwiches uh, they, at well, a that, very yeah, low yeah. price. But that's just all the mythology and the smoke and mirrors <laughs> of the Nav the Masters. It's like, oh, we're folksy. And it's like, oh, we have egg salad sandwiches for a dollar or whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, but you know, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, when you get to a point where you have so much money – you can throw around, you really can own pretty much whatever you want. Exactly. Uh, it's not, it's not hard to get politicians to, to fall in line. Right. And that's where that's, that's what I'm getting to when I'm talking about this three person board, because we don't know, there aren't specific people elected to the board because this is just draft legislation. It's a proposal. It hasn't gone through yet, but here's how it breaks down. So there are three people running the board, One of them is appointed by the governor, which would be Sizzlack at this point. The company gets to appoint the other two members, which is far past any other conflict of interest that we've talked about before. Uh, This reminds me like of one of the most famous, I I would say qualifies as a company town, uh, the Reedy Creek Improvement District, a.k.a. The autonomous, the semi-autonomous state of the Disney Corporation of Florida. This, totally. These are company towns. I think you make a good argument about Augusta National as well. This is probably going to happen, folks. And we'll have people in the audience who disagree on whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. 
looking at the facts, I, I think, Noel, you and I can agree that there's much more opportunity for corruption and conspiracy than there is for progress and the betterment of the life of the average Nevada resident. This sets off my spidey sense and not not in the best way. But what do you think, folks? Uh, is or Are we being alarmist? Obviously, we don't think we are. But could this lead to a situation where some members of the U.S. public feel like they're U.S. citizens and then other people feel like they have two types of citizenship, one for, you know, Uncle Sam, right, and one for Amazon or one for blockchains? I could totally see Amazon buying a town. Like you don't have to have all of the legal framework to do some of these things in practice. Like think about Walmart. Walmart can hold a town hostage if it's the largest employer, right? And they can they can close down something for like um, for trying to unionize, or they can threaten politicians by saying, "Look, we'll just pick up our tent stakes and go somewhere else." Off air, when we were talking in preparation for this episode, um, I think we both noted the rose-colored glasses the governor of Nevada is wearing. Uh, this had some. What did, what did I call it? This had some big Simpsons monorail vibes. You know what I mean? Like, oh my this gosh, yes. will solve everything. But will it? I don't think so. Uh, it'll solve a lot of stuff for blockchains, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's certainly a new chapter in corporate dominance, kind of. You know what I mean? Now they get that. I mean, you know, and like, again, like the, the picture painted by the governor and his cronies is like, this is the city of the future. Nevada will be ground zero for the city of the future. Again, monorail vibes. You're totally right. But why do we, why, here's a question to end on. Why do they need to have their own government? Why can't this, this, the, what's already in place with regulation? Does, I mean, it doesn't inherently seem like they're trying to circumvent regulation. By setting up their own system where they regulate themselves? Like, where's the oversight? Again, I know that the governor would appoint someone, but obviously the governor's in, you know, blockchain's pocket. No question. I mean, I I think. Yeah, I'm tempted to agree because the leaked proposal talks about how the current governmental structure at the county level is too, quote unquote, inflexible. Mm-hmm. for it to work and how this would be a better alternative. But what does inflexible mean? They don't really get into the specifics to defend that statement. But, you know, let let us know what you think, folks. Let us know what you think the answers to these questions are. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Would you like to live uh, in a corptocracy, right? Would you like to live in a place where your government is you know, the primary employer and a private company that is not beholden to give you some of the same rights that you would currently have as a U.S. citizen. We want to know your thoughts. Thanks to everyone who wrote in to uh, bring this to our attention. And we'd especially like to thank uh, the first listener who suggested this to us. So shout out to you, the cat in the black hat. I am Loving these nicknames, folks. It makes me, I don't know. I love it when people come uh, with a nickname. I love a nickname. And I love a good story behind the nickname, too. So let us know. How'd you get your nickname? Uh, you can write to us uh, on the internet, on the Facebook and the Twitter, where we're Conspiracy Stuff. We are Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. 
Yes, you can also, if you don't sip the social meds, give us a call directly. We are 1-833-STD-WYTK. Give us a message. Tell us what's on your mind. Give us a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your name and or voice on air. And please don't censor yourself. If three minutes doesn't feel like enough time, then write out the entire story. Send it to us. We read every email we get. Uh, we'd always love to hear from you. You can send us one at our good old-fashioned email address where we are. Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.